Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson, and this is our Dallas Cowboys preview podcast. Commanders and Cowboys coming up this weekend. Cowboys coming off the Monday Night Football win. Commanders coming off, well, you know what they're coming off of. Uh, To break it down with us, let's welcome in the host of, or the co-host of Love of the Star. He's also the Dallas Cowboys insider for our sister station down in Dallas, 105.3 The Fan. It is Bobby Belt, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Nice to complete the home and home. Came on with you and Brian Broaddus last night. I'm excited to get some of your thoughts because Brian Brian dominated the conversation. So... (laughs) He did. He was he was stuck on that Carson Wentz discussion. We got done. And I was like, Ryan, I may have to trim some of the Carson Wentz questions because that went on for a long time. We ended up keeping it all, but I was like, we, we're not gonna have enough time to touch on anything else after you 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 wanted to go on about Carson Wentz's spirit stuff. It was so. uh, it was great to talk to Brian though. I I knew Brian when I worked down in Dallas way back when, so it was it was Brian fun to catch the, up. Brian is the best person in Dallas media, honestly, and and he's the best person to talk football with. He he is one of my heroes. He's he's the Logan Paulson of Dallas. Is basically yes. what uh yes what we got here. Uh, That's what all we've right. always said about him. Let's uh let's <laughs> Logan's like I am so confused. Uh, let's get into uh into the Cowboys a little bit. Cooper Rush has not yet lost a game as a starter. Mm-hmm. How slash why? Um, I, I mean, look, I think that he's the, the biggest attribute of his that you can give him credit for, I think, is that the moment's not too big for him. That's something that you hear a lot of the guys in the locker talk about is that he's unfazed by the pressure of it all and that he's, you know, just a steady hand and that they, they know exactly what they're getting from him. And look, I mean, this is a guy who outside of one year when he was in New York with the Giants has been in this building since 2017. So this connection that he has with a guy like Noah Brown um, and Noah Brown coming on and playing really well lately, um, that's a guy that he's taken scout team reps with for you know you know several years now. That they've gotten a lot of work in together, and so a lot of these guys have spent a lot of time with Cooper Rush, um, and so there's a familiarity there, there's a trust there, um, and again, I think it's just his demeanor, his mental makeup, and uh, you know they've. I don't want to say they they've made it just vanilla for him but i mean they have simplified some aspects to it they've taken out a lot of the um option routes that's been sort of removed from the game plan since he came in um and you know they have these run checks in there that he can go to and so he's he's been given a little bit of control but it's also i i think you know with, with the running game being as good as it has that's made things a little bit easier on him with pollard and zeke playing as well as they are 
Um, but overall, I think uh, when you talk to guys in the locker room, the thing that they'll say is, look, he's just he's had a lot of time with this team, a lot of time with these guys. So there's some, you know, chemistry already built in there, and he is unfazed by the moment. I mean, do you think that they've – I mean, you mentioned some of the corrections that they've made in terms of play calling. When I watch the, the New York game, for example, it seems like they are run first, run second, and then try to limit as much kind of big decision-making as possible for Cooper Rush. Is that Was that how they were doing it with Dak, or is this kind of a transition to kind of insulate him a little bit? It's a shift. I, I mean, they definitely uh, put more in Dak's hands than they do Cooper Rush's. And then there's been a discussion in Dallas, a lot of people going, okay, maybe this is the type of offense Dak should be running too. Maybe this is what it should look like with Dak Prescott. Um, I think Cooper Rush has done a good job. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, we also got to remember this is a defense that's held every team under 20 points so far. Um, and so the, there's not a lot that the offense has had to, you know, get going on their own. It being adequate has been enough in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think that they definitely tend to put more on Dak's plate. That first game of the season against Tampa Bay was really, really rough, especially on first down. That's a big thing that Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator talked about this week is that they haven't gotten behind the chains on first down, uh, against the giants. They were averaging eight and a half yards on first down against the Bengals. They were averaging five against Tampa Bay. They were averaging two and a half. So they were in second and eight, 18 times, second and eight plus 18 times against Tampa Bay against Cincinnati and the Giants combined it was 19 times and so that's helped them a lot getting more favorable second and third down looks um, and they finally found a way I think to to use the running backs more of Tony Pollard on first down pick up some of the chunk plays and then you know you get down to second and short third and short that's more where they give it off to Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Ezekiel Elliott actually he's perfect on his conversion rate on third down this year and so they're yeah. They found a nice compliment, a nice way to use them, and I know Dallas fans have been rejoicing about the way that they finally figured out how to use Pollard. Nice. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Go ahead, Logan. Yeah, so I was going to say that, you know, like when I watched the New York game, you know, obviously when you're running an offense like this, it's a little bit more, let's say, conservative. You know, mm -hmm. penalties become a big issue. Um, you know, obviously you had a couple penalties in the red zone. The team did and a couple drops. Like, how has that been received in the, DC, in the uh, Dallas media, and uh, is that something they're emphasizing this week? Man, there's uh, there's been a lot of discussion about the receivers in particular because obviously they let Amari Cooper go and they let right. Cedric Wilson walk to you know Miami and and they really bought in on look Ceedee Lamb you're the guy but it wasn't just Ceedee Lamb you're the guy um, it was intimated to him I've talked to people with with the team it was intimated to Ceedee Lamb like dude we don't just need you to step up and be the guy as you know what you're doing on the football field we need you to step up and be more of that alpha energy at the one mm. like like we need a dog at, at the one and and cd's always been kind of a quiet reserve guy that's obviously amari cooper and so i think that they they really wanted to move completely away from what they got with coop um and, and so cd's been a little more vocal and 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 talked a lot about leading up to week one he's like uh, you know I've, I've prepared for this moment i deserve this moment and uh, you know, I, I'm ready to attack and started talking about how, honestly, I don't feel like there's much difference between me and Cooper Cup in terms of where we're at as players and stuff like that. So a lot of strong talk. And then he came out and struggled against Tampa Bay. Cincinnati was a little better, but then he has that big drop against the Giants. And, and you know, there's a little bit of whispers, I think, in Dallas around here going like, he's a guy. Is he the guy, though? Mm -hmm. Like, is he is he really the guy? Is he is he built for this? And uh, I, I think that that was silenced a little bit by the touchdown drive mm. where he had four catches on that drive. He had the big, tough fourth down catch, which was nice. We haven't seen him finish in traffic a lot over the years since he's been here. He, that's one of the areas he struggled. But big fourth down catch, 
gets down to the one on that big catch that uh, set up the the fade route and then took his helmet off and was yelling at the Giants fans, letting them hear all about it. And so, uh, and that, that's not CD's nature. That has not been his nature. So he's really trying to lean into what the Cowboys want from him uh, in terms of that alpha energy. But um, yeah, I think some of the discussion has been about like, is he really the guy? And that's still yet to be determined. I think if you ask a lot of people here, I know if you asked me and you told me like I could have McLaurin or Lamb right now, I'd probably take McLaurin. That's interesting, oh. um, especially because we, we had a lot of those discussions, I think, in the offseason around yeah. Terry and the contract and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Terry is a leader and, and all that kind of stuff is is top notch. Um, and yeah. it seems like CD is trying to to find that a little bit. Um, you know, I don't want to go back over the Amari thing, but I was definitely someone who was like, I don't think Dallas realizes how good Amari Cooper is. Uh, and it seems well, that to, got personal. That got personal yeah. here. That that was just they didn't like his. There were people who thought he was passive aggressive. They didn't like his demeanor. They didn't honestly. They didn't like that, that he didn't get vaccinated. The there there were issues, and so it, it was. They didn't like that he didn't practice. They were getting stuff from him on Sunday, but they felt like they didn't get anything from him Monday through Saturday, and so it all built up to something where it's like we we went we went out on this. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, we are certainly used to in DC uh, wild swings in criticism and praise for the offensive coordinator. Scott Turner was the king of the world after week one, uh, and then things things haven't been as good since. Uh, a mixed bag in week two and, and a really uh, questionable performance in week three. Kellen Moore gets that on a Dallas Cowboys level because it gets discussed nationally. He's a head coaching candidate one week, and then he should be fired the next. What have you made of the Kellen Moore experience specifically through these three games in 2022? So I'm a much bigger Kellen Moore fan than I think most people are, including here in the Dallas media, Dallas fans, things like that. Um, I, I think that he does generally a good job. I think he's still a young coordinator and he's still kind of coming into his own. One of the hallmarks that you've seen from him 2019, 2020, 2021 is consistently the first half of the season or early in the season, the offense is is crushing it. And, and they're and they're usually doing a lot of really exciting things, you know, at the snap, pre-snap motion. They're pushing the ball down the field. They're having a lot of success. Um, and then every single year, the second half has been brutal. And, and, you know, it feels like he gets a little more conservative. He tightens up. I know uh, one uh, somebody I know from one team had told me that they felt like Kellen becomes a little bit predictable. And when when defenses start changing things up on him. Uh, he doesn't have a response to that. So that's still where he's growing and, and and coming into his own. I think he's gotten a lot of credit for how he's called the offense and how he's put Cooper Rush into a a you know a, a, an easy situation or or he's made things as easy for him as possible. And that's something that honestly he deserves a lot of credit for is that I think he's at his best when the personnel is is you know not what they expected. He's good at adjusting the game plan in the middle of the season when things are changing, you know. So when Ben DiNucci has to come in and start against Philadelphia, the fact that he manufactured nine points with DiNucci at quarterback in 2020 was nothing short of a miracle. Uh, and he, he pulled out all the stops, all these wild, you know, double reverse passes and everything else. Just really to, went back to his Boise State days. Yeah, honestly. And and so, you know, I'm surprised we didn't see that old, uh, what was that, Statue of Liberty, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, two-point conversion. I'm surprised we didn't see one of those. But it had them in a position to where it was a seven-point game against Philadelphia, and Danucci was had a chance to drive down there and tie it. Um, had Garrett Gilbert step in and play really well against Pittsburgh in 2020. And has you know put Cooper Rush in a position to succeed where he's three and zero now, and so I think Cooper, Kellen Moore does a really good job of you know creating the the best possible situations for an offense that is missing key 
parts of their personnel. I think the problem for a lot of people is, okay, why why do you seem to level up here and, and we can't get you to, to put the personnel in the right position to succeed when we have everybody back? Why is that when we struggle? Why is that when we seem to can't use, you know, Tony Pollard correctly? Why is it that then we can't get, you know, these route concepts to work? And so I think that that's the, the thing that he'll have to show when Dak Prescott gets back is that he can continue this consistency and continue to show like, hey, I can put these players in a good position to succeed especially because it's compared to the other side of the ball where Dan Quinn has been a master of that in the two years that he's been here is that he is getting the most out of everybody and putting guys in the best possible position to succeed. I got to play with uh, Dan a little bit, really awesome, fantastic human being. Can you talk yep. about some of the stuff he's done on the defensive side of the ball to like really elevate that group? Cause he's changed a lot. Like when I watch him, he's grown up a lot in the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah. He's, he's, he's talked about how, you know, he, he kind of had to go back to the drawing board and uh, change some concepts. I think he's a little more blitz happy these days than he used to be. Um, and, and it doesn't look like, you know, Legion of boom, Seattle days, what they run here. Um, and, and, and he, he's talked about it this week. He was discussing with us that he, he finally, he feels really comfortable with where he's at with this defense because he last year, even though they had a lot of success, he's like, that was trial and error. He's like, that was experimentation. I was trying to figure out, does Micah Parsons know how to rush the passer? Does this guy know how to do this? This guy know how to do this? He said, I'm operating with an understanding of my personnel now. Like, I understand who these guys are, and I know how to put them in a position to succeed. And he thinks that's why you're seeing, look, we're generating some more pressure uh, from guys outside of Micah Parsons. We're getting Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. These guys are getting home. Also, Diggy Zua has been really good as a three technique. He hasn't picked up a bunch of sacks, but he's somebody who's generating a lot of pressure and, and winning his matchups. Um, and so I think he's just got a better understanding of what his personnel can do and, and how he wants to move his guys around. Um, and, and, you know, he's talked about the the one area where they're still deficient this year, oddly enough, after last year, it was the whole identity of the defense is they're, they're not generating turnovers the same way. Um, and, and he's trying to put them in position for that, but he's just, he is so, he's so hands-on um you know the guys will always tell you i'm sure you saw it logan he'll put his jordans on and he'll get in there and do d-line drills and like show them how to do stuff and so he's very hands-on he connects with guys it's 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 not just what he does as a coach in terms of teaching but it's it's what he does also in terms of connecting with them as men like they the, the guys in there will tell you just how much they view him as a father figure and and a guy that they can trust and count on and know they can you know, speak directly with Mike Parsons has had so many good things to say about his relationship with DQ. Um, and so I, I, I point to the fact that, you know, he, he talks about how last week, one of the big things they harped on was watching film of quarterbacks sliding in 2022. He's like, cause we got two unnecessary roughness penalties when Burrow was sliding in the open field. And so he's like, we went back to the tape and went, all right, what is considered clean tackling of a quarterback in the open field? What is not? And he's like, we were watching, tons of film last week trying to figure out all right this is this is the standard kind of like the way you know pitchers and batters will view an umpire strike zone like okay just call it consistent even if i disagree that's a strike at least i know the standard and and i can play within these bounds right and so that that's the kind of attention to detail that dan quinn is is working on with this defense and and you know he's just i i think he's probably the most popular if you were to do a uh you know one of those gallop Poll like Rasmussen reports daily. Uh, you you don't know, know anything uh, about polling in DC. What are you? Yeah, talking yeah, about? yeah. The the polling of uh, his approval rating, he would be sky high. There, I don't think there's a, a single person in Dallas who's uh, got a problem with Dan Quinn. All right, last question uh, we have for you. Uh, Micah Parsons is arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL. Yet he plays mm-hmm. middle linebacker a lot. 
Why is that? Because, you know, Logan and I were kind of batting this around last week. Like every team is looking for an elite pass rusher. You guys have arguably the best one, and then you don't use them as a pass rusher all the time. Uh, what is what like, why is that? And is that the right move? Well, I mean, I think that so they will tell you if you talk to them internally, one of the things they'll tell you is like, look, he had 13 sacks last year and seven of them came from blitzing as a linebacker. Like we feel like part of the benefit here is he's disguised and people don't know what he's going to do. Um, I think, for instance, last week he had he was in coverage more last week than he was the first two games. Um, he, he was pretty much a full time pass rusher against Tampa Bay, against Cincinnati. Uh, against the Giants, I think they felt like, okay, this is a physical football team, and this is Saquon Barkley, and and we've got to trust that, like, like, like we need to make sure we're we're on our P's and Q's at the second level. And so I think that they felt like that's a big reason why Mike was playing more traditional linebacker against the Giants. Um, he had more, uh, you know, heading into the Giants game, Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong, two genuine, true defensive ends, like guys with background of, like, hand in the dirt, you know, 4-3 defensive ends. Um they had combined for more snaps and coverage this year than Micah had played. And so they were, they, they've been using him a lot more as that. I think it just matters the matchup. And that's one of the things that Dan Quinn really gets excited about and using him is saying, all right, in this week, I can have him be a traditional linebacker. Like this is what we need in a few weeks. When we play Philadelphia, we might need him to just spy Jalen hurts all game. That may be what he does for us. Um, you know? And so I, I think they just like the flexibility and they feel like part of that flexibility allows them to disguise him and, that's part of the reason for his pass rush success is that they feel like, okay, we can make it look like, oh, okay, he's going to drop. No, he's coming. Like, you have no idea which direction he's going to go. Is he going to drop into coverage? Is he going to, you know, take this running back? Or is he going to, you know, blitz up the A-gap? Is he going to stand over, you know, tackle and rush? And so I think it's just that flexibility that they like, and they feel like that's part of what makes him so effective when he does rush. That actually well, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But also, I think you guys have, like, another – really solid blitzing linebacker and Anthony Barr. And so like yeah. having those guys on the field together at the same time, it's like, you know, cause like when you're calling protections, you call the bigs, right. And you have a report every week. It says these guys are the big guys. And these are the guys the O-line is going to account for. But when you have guys who are kind of those tweener types, like Parsons and Barr, like it really messes with the counts. And I love the way Dan has kind of been manipulating those counts based on Parsons alignment or Barr's alignment. And it's been, uh, it's been kind of fun to watch, and he does. He's able to kind of tighten the screws, just like you said, because of you can't be. You know, he's not lined up a defensive end every play. Like on this yeah. play, is he a big? Is he a little? And I think that's pretty intelligent. Yeah, he's he's, he's completely unpredictable. What he's doing from snap to snap, and that's a big hallmark of what Dan Quinn has guys do on defense in general. J. Ron Curse has been banged up; he's been hurt, but that's a guy that he he'll play. You know, in coverage, that's a guy he brings up in the box to play basically a linebacker role at times. Um, you know, they they love the flexibility of guys like Demarcus Lawrence to play the edge or kick inside and. You know, like I said, they've dropped Dorrance Armstrong and Demarcus Lawrence into coverage a few times. And so, but Anthony Barr, that's definitely a big part of it. That's one of the reasons that Dan Quinn talked about they brought in Anthony Barr is they felt like it was going to free them up to do more things with Micah Parsons and manipulate him a little bit more, knowing that they had the cover of a guy like Anthony Barr. Mm. Yeah. Make sure you check out all of Bobby's stuff on 105.3 The Fan uh, down in Dallas on the radio side of things. Of course, you can listen to that on the always free Odyssey app and Love of the Star, the fantastic podcast with Bobby and our good friend, Brian Broaddus. Uh, Bobby, this was great. Uh, good thing about being NFC East rivals is that we get to do this again later in the season. Look forward to that and uh, have fun on Sunday. Absolutely. Craig, DC, Brian Broaddus. Uh, appreciate y'all a, a great deal. <laughs> <laughs>
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.